Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the humorless ice queen in desperate need of a good humpin', Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I believe we've established that caca, caca, <laughs> and tookie, don't work. <laughs> in case you didn't know... This week's episode is on evolution, a classic for us. Um, before we get into that, we're going to be talking about the unlikely Avengers 4 title, the incredible Ragnarok description on Netflix. We're going to check in with the wedding singer 20 years later, and I'm going to get really frustrated about the word reboot and how it's used in the news. But first, Al, what are we drinking? You know, that's a good pet peeve to have because it's used incorrectly pretty often. Almost always. Or at least overused. And I'm also glad that you have a 20th anniversary story because I, too, have a 20th anniversary story in the movie realm. So let's get into what we're drinking. We'll get into that stuff in a minute. Okay. Uh, so we are drinking Upper Pass Beer Company's First Drop APA. That's an American pale ale for those of you who are possibly curious and couldn't figure that out in the... Pretty easy context clue. Pretty, it was pretty straightforward. Um, let's take a whiff. I saw you taking a whiff. Uh, it, it smells wonderful. This is exactly what I want to smell when I crack open a beer. This is um, it's a very refreshing yeah. pale ale. So it is. <laughs> every time we do that, every time there's a pause after the sniff, I just want to go stings the nostrils. <laughs> That's pure but gasoline. Like, in a good... <laughs> yeah. So it's the first bits drop. Of real panther. <laughs> first drop american pale ale is double dry hopped featuring azaka centennial mosaic and citra hops there's my boy the citra being your favorite the mosaic the one that i've used several times myself to brew beers Mm -hmm. so um azaka my new favorite one to say (laughs) so yeah no it's it's a fun word francisco Ooh, that's fun to say (laughs) that's fun to say shall we give this sucker a taste yeah cheers Cheers. Mm. That's uh, that's right in my wheelhouse, Al. Yeah, that hits the spot big time, right? You did you did it up nice this time. I uh, much like Blockbuster Season, spelled S <laughs> Z N for those of you wondering, Stop keeps that. rolling on. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my face every time I read it. <laughs> Why did it hurt you so badly? I don't know. It, there's just something about you putting those three letters together and just assuming the word, even though it worked, because I read it that way. It just bothered me. I think it bothered me that you got me to read it that way. It's not like I came up with it. That's a big internet thing, <sighs> especially in sports, but not only in sports. Um, so this beer is – sorry. Uh, that conversation that we had the other day about cracked <laughs> me up because you were like – this is the worst thing that's happened to me this week is what I said to you. <laughs> yes. It's the worst thing that's happened this week. Followed by, oh, sorry, is that okay? No, this is probably the best synopsis you've written, so it's okay. Right, right. Oh um, so this beer is made in Vermont. It's 5.9% alcohol by volume. 65 IBUs. Uh, I wish I had a little thing to read for you, but I do not. There's nothing on the can, and there was it didn't come in a box. It came... Um, you know, these are these are pints, of course, um, and they came with a little plastic uh, cap holder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't 
uh, color, and I didn't. I was too lazy to look it up on online. If it's not presented to me, then I assume it doesn't exist. Those things make you work for the beer. Those little yes. plastic covers. It's a little can be a little frustrating from time to time. I'm mean, I respect <laughs> because it's recyclable. You know, so it's a worthy endeavor, I guess. Yeah. And it's probably cheaper to make and stuff, but. I like a little, uh, a little something. We do it on the show, and even without that, even just for myself, I like to read a little something about the beer. I like, I like to note they yeah. put a little thought, but uh, they definitely put a little thought into this beer because it is tasty. It is really good. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. This was, I, I hope that I could find this so that I can get some more of it, but it's not likely by me. This is the first time. Well, sorry, spoiler alert. I, I had a couple of these the other night, um, but that it was from this batch. I never had them before, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard of Upper Pass before, but, but I've never drank any of their beers. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad that I stumbled on this one. It's um, if I were being unkind, I would call this beer chunky. I was gonna say it's thick. Yeah, it's um, it's very hard to get light through this beer. This is the haziest beer I've ever seen to the point where. Hazy is probably not the appropriate word. I would say murky. It's a it's a murky beer. Yeah, it's got the consistency of a swamp. Right. Thankfully, it tastes better. I was gonna say it looks like, but does not taste like Mirkwood. <laughs> um, but it is a, a delightful beer. A delightful beer to drink if you like hops. It uh, not, not overpowering. Got just the right amount of bitterness. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's say that most of those. Um, New England style pale ale, especially the New England IPA, has become its own sub um, grouping. The NEIPA. Yeah. So not that this is that exactly, but it's kind of a. It's in the. It's in that area though, and it's I. Those are the ones that I'm really. I've been really digging lately. Yeah, they're good. For sure. Sweet. How many nuggets do you have this week? I have three and a half nuggets. Three and a half nuggets. All right. I've got four topics. So. I'll start off this way. You could pepper in between. Yeah, you want to go rapid fire back and forth? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So the first thing on the list is the possible but unlikely Avengers 4 title leak. So there was some interesting things out there. The cinematographer had posted on his, I think it was the cinematographer, on his website. Uh, the title oh, yeah, of the movie was that he was, that. and right. it was uh, Avengers 4 Infinity War, um, Endgame. And Endgame would be a really cool title. I like it. Um, it. It's come up twice in the movies already. It came up in the last one. However, the reason it's unlikely is the Russo brothers said that it's not the the title of the next movie has not been a spoken has not been spoken in a previous film. So okay. I think that that pulls that off the table. That would seem to, unless they just forgot that. But that right. that would seem. Like a fairly, it has become kind of a fairly important thing. I would be surprised if they forgot that. It seems unlikely that they forgot, it. or or they're just like, screw it, let's lie to everyone. <laughs> no, I like head games from them. I like them being clever and coy. I don't like outright lying, mm-hmm. and I, I, they don't seem like they would really. Maybe they like they'll play like some technicality on it, and it'll be because it's the end game in the movie. <laughs> that end game doesn't count. I don't know. I I actually kind of like that though. I like that being the, like if that were the title because we are we're closing the book. And like, yeah, I mean it would make sense. It would make sense, but it I think might even be a little too on the nose. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, Infinity War. I guess it's just nice because it's what we were all expecting. 
on account of the the series of comics. That one's also kind of on the nose, but if you're making this big deal about the Infinity Stones, Infinity kind of has to be in the title, so. Yeah. The Six Singularities. <laughs> Let's just get into some exposition, shall we? <laughs> anyway. The war that goes on forever and ever <laughs> right. and ever. <laughs> it was the war that never ends. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care what they call it. I'm, I'm excited. I, I for whatever reason I am I'll you know it's like a weird I usually don't give a crap what the title of the movie is going to be but I am excited to find out what they actually call it I think yeah. it's just because I'm, I'm just really happy with what they've been doing and I well considering they're making such a big deal about when they're going to release the title it's kind of a big deal <laughs> Avengers 4 seriously they're actually dead <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> or Avengers 4 gotcha <laughs> that'd be fantastic uh that's it i was just i was just uh wasn't sure if you had heard that i'm sure you had but uh it's more more than likely not the title based on what the rooster brothers have said so moving on to al's first nugget okay in the spirit of that of the brevity of that note uh i will give you my shortest nugget because i actually well you know what to be fair i didn't follow up and check again but i saw something about eight hours ago and there was no story at the time, okay. but um, it's possible that's changed by now. Um, no, it doesn't look like it has changed. Um, I saw something who from someone who's kind of a uh, an insider in his own way. Well, not in his own way. He's a, he's an insider into the movie business, and um, he just kind of dropped a note that uh, the new Mission Impossible is tracking below the new Mamma Mia movie. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But Ouch. there's no official story on that, but... Uh, Hang on. Hang on. If they replace the music in both those trailers, <laughs> if they just... If they Freaky Friday the music in those trailers, I would be interested in both of those movies a lot more. <laughs> 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 the, the helicopter's going down. Mamma mia! <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> As it's crashing into the mountain. Oh my goodness! Okay. Well, hang on a second. I do have a story here. Um, I think we need to recut that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something here about the two big releases of the weekend of July 20th are Equalizer 2 and Mamma Mia. Here we go again. And. I was surprised Bitch. to see that I, all those trailers for the second Equalizer movie. I I didn't see the first one, and I didn't know it was popular enough for them to make a sequel of it. I guess it's this juncture. The film's expected to open uh, at an over under of about thirty million. E. Wonder how much it cost. Do we have that number? From a budget, I think I did see it slightly higher up. <laughs> this makes for good radio. The worst on a budget. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> this <laughs> on a budget. Well, the problem is I saw like three numbers in quick succession, and they jumbled in my mind, and then I couldn't find the paragraph. On a budget of around seventy million, which is more than the original fifty-two million budget in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. but the movie does look and feel as big as that one. Um, this is a classic case of a sequel that can afford to make a lot less than its predecessor and still be profitable. Right. I I still want to see it. 
So that that's that story is from, uh, and there was nothing about Mission Impossible in this story. This is from a few days ago on Forbes. Um, the tracking for the Mamma Mia movie was around 30 million at the time. That was June 29th. Uh-huh. So it's not even a full week ago. And the note I saw today, I it's I mean I suppose they, the the tracking could have gone up slightly on Mamma Mia, but the th- one throwaway it was just a t- one tweet. Um, it was from Umberto Gonzalez, who who runs Heroic Hollywood. And he works at the Rap and stuff like that. He um, and he's known to have very accurate information. Typically, he said that the new Mission Impossible was tracking less than Mamma Mia too. That's a that's a very much a I'm just gonna leave this here tweet, <laughs> and then you disappear into the night. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he did because there wasn't a follow up that I saw. Man. I, whatever. I mean, you, I don't expect the movie to do well. It's 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 done. They're every time one comes out, I'm like, oh, oh, we're still doing this. I'm gonna see it because I enjoy. I have fun with them, but yeah. they're not like they're they're just dumb entertainment. They're not like good movies or anything like that. Not at this point, anyway. I, yeah. I very much enjoyed the first one, and the second one is like an acid trip, but it's entertaining. John John Woo at his finest. Yeah, that's or at least at or at least at his most John Wooist. <laughs> that is John Wooist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, are are you interested? I mean, we're probably gonna do this one. I didn't I'm... see the last one still. I saw the first like twenty minutes. Okay. I mean, I, don't, I guess it's I guess it kind of. I think I own. Do I own the last one? Sorry, I'm doing the I'm doing the turnaround thing. That's why my voice trails off. I have to go. Let's go to the wall. <laughs> let's go to it's the right. wall. I can, I, I can still hear you. It just, just looked like it just sounded like you walked to the other side of the room. Yeah. I'm only in my left ear right now. It's interesting. Uh, I'm not certain I have that one. Interesting. I thought I had it all of them. It was those things where I saw it was coming on on like FX or something like that. I was like, oh, I never saw this. Let me check it out. And then I had to get up and do something, so I stopped <laughs> watching it. And, yeah. And obviously didn't pick it back up. It's something <laughs> moderately like engaging to do. So you were like, "Oh, well, this is going off." <laughs> like, yeah, like any function of my life, pretty much mattered more than that at the time. Right. So, <laughs> well, uh, maybe you can if you check that one out at some point. I'm sure it'll be on some movie channel a thousand times the week this comes out. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that one because I have a feeling when that comes out, we're probably not going to have much else to do. Depending on the week. Well, this one just seated in perfectly amidst the torrid blockbuster season, right? Um, with just the slightest bit of pause before Ant Man and the Wasp, and then, well, after that, it's kind of the great unknown. But, yeah. Uh, All right. So we'll uh, we'll check back in on that. Um, moving on to my second my second story here. This is just a this is another quick one. We're doing, like we said rapid fire. This is just the best. So. Um, I, I added this to the flipboard, but there's the the description on of Thor Ragnarok on Netflix. I, I've I've heard of that it's funny. I think I it read it, but I don't remember. On par with your titles and write ups of our show. <laughs> shall I shall I read this out to you? Yeah. When it rains it pours for the god of thunder. Stuck on a cosmic scrap heap, he is be he is being hammered from all sides. <laughs> Like, I expect that from you. Yeah, that's something I got right. I'm like, oh, I got a job at Netflix. It's <laughs> great. But that's, I mean, that movie, it, it's just meant to be playful. 
It has yeah. so many serious tones and like important things going on in it for like the the greater universe. But if you like, you can just throw that in and just have a good time with no other context and laugh your ass off. Yeah, it's a great movie. I I we talked about it at length, but I it holds up. I love that movie. I still have not had the opportunity to sit down and watch it again. We've had so much to watch, and I have a serious backlog of TV that I haven't had yeah. an opportunity to go back and see rewatch something that I've already seen, with the exception of this movie, but it was for the purpose of doing an episode. So, Yeah, we should... Uh, that's the, well, Let's just watch it again together. It's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. No, see, no, it's, no. A good, it's a good you, one to watch You have rewatching to do that you've I know. six months. I know. <laughs> And, and now, not only I, but some of our audience is getting irritated. <laughs> and that's not even a joke. This is going to be the episode that never happens. Uh, <laughs> great, great white buffalo. <laughs> no, there are audience members <laughs> clamoring. And I told them it's not on me. I said it's entirely on Anthony. I gave them the whole story. And they're like... We'll do Cloud Atlas eventually. You said you have to rewatch it twice. twice. You don't have to. You could just rewatch it once. Need to rewatch it twice for the purpose of doing the episode, and then take as long as you want to watch it with Kim. I mean, I hope you do it sooner than later, okay. but you only actually have to rewatch it once for the show. Did I tell you we got? I grabbed no, five I know. movies. I told that story <laughs> to people, the audience members it was so that close. are clamoring for this episode, and I know at least <laughs> one of them is listening to this episode, if not more than one. It was so and close to happening. They were furious, and I was like, I know. I'm just as mad because he could have just not told me that he almost watched it. If he really, just, if he just said, oh, over. I haven't got around to it. The fact, that, the fact that it was an option, the fact that it was in reach, that you could have just done it, is so much <laughs> Are we going to put that episode behind a paywall? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It'll happen. I promise you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, <laughs> but it'll well, happen. I'm sure shit, it's not going to be today. It's 11 p.m., so. No, yeah, it's actually impossible. <laughs> I, well, I mean, even that you could start it, you know, if we finished and you had a chance, like, first of all, I'm quite sure Kim's probably in bed. Yeah. She's not going to start watching with you at 11.55 and stay up until 3 a.m. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right. All right, give us your next nugget. Uh, I will, again, stick with something fairly brief. There was a release today, just kind of a follow-up to an announcement that happened a couple of months ago. Uh, a little bit more information about Star Wars Resistance, the new animated Star Wars show that's mm. coming out later this year. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't think there was an official date, but it said October of this year is when it's going to release. They were doing something at... RDV Disney 2018, which is some event I've never heard of before. Okay. Um, it includes there's going to be uh, Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma are going to be in it, which I guess I suppose they have to let Gwendolyn Christie do something useful at some point. <laughs> um, and then there's a bunch of people whose names I don't know who are attached to it, although there's at least one, two names that I do know. Donald Faison is going to be the voice of a recurring character, if not a main character. He's like the fifth name on the list. Why, why uh, is that name familiar to me? He is Turk from Scrubs. Oh, right. Okay. And I know for a fact that he is a very big Star Wars fan, so right. that's cool. 
Um, I think you Bobby were telling Moore- me a little bit about that over some aggressive Mario tennis matches. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just talking about the Mario tennis the other day. <laughs> that was funny. Um, Bobby Moynihan plays who- sports. <laughs> I love Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> he's from SNL, right? Yeah, he's so funny. He's like, I he's know, I know that name. Drunk Uncle's the best. Drunk Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just a little follow-up that that is to be expected on Disney XD in October. Excellent. I will. I will be checking that out. Um, in October, October gives me enough time. I gotta. I really gotta crank through the rest of Rebels. There's stuff from the end game of that. Is that word again? That I expect will have an impact on this show you even though link the two universes <laughs> i sure did um that's i mean there's a 30 plus year you know almost 40 year gap between the two shows but i'm sure they'll find ways to right. tie them together so <laughs> they'll make it work awesome uh so moving on we got the wedding singer 20 years later uh this was a fun little article i came across on it came through my Flipboard feed. I am not familiar with the site, so take any of this with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it's fun nonetheless. So starting with it, it, it was just a, a hand. It's a handful of facts, quote unquote facts about the movie that I thought were fun. Wait, so, about which movie? Sorry, The Wedding Singer. Oh yes. Uh, so Carrie Fisher worked on the script, according to this. She was known to do that many times, though she didn't right. often get uh, credited writing roles. Apparently. Uh, she was very well known for people giving her a script, her reading it, editing it um, f- as a favorite of friends and stuff like that in the industry. And just to just to put the icing on the cake, I have a list here of a handful of movies that she did that on. And I'm going to ask you to guess the third one to blow us away. OK, so she also did this without credit writing on Sister Act, Hook. <laughs> OK. And... The through line for the last three episodes. The last three episodes? I mean, other than Star Wars, that's always a through line. The last action hero. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know, I know we talked about it a bunch, but I forgot that it's been like the last three episodes. That's funny. Yeah, well, this this is what makes it the third one, I think. But still, I was like... This this movie's just popping up all over the place lately. It's like it's calling to us. We just we just have to do it. I have shot a man and would like to confess. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I love that movie. So good. Uh, so another one, another fun one. The Friends Connection. This one I can validate. Um, lots of characters in this movie have appeared on Friends. Um, so we, in which movie? In in The Wedding Singer. Um, we've got, uh, let's see here. They have a nice little, a nice little, uh, list here. Um, Kristen Taylor, who plays Julia's best friend, uh, was uh, Ross's ben girlfriend. Ex- yes. Yes. Was Ross's girlfriend, Bonnie. Sure. I think, she, I think she shaves her head at the end of, at the end of one of the seasons. Pretty great. Um, we have, uh, da, 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 Ross and Monica's mother, Christina Pickles. Not familiar. Um, she plays uh, Judy Geller. Showed up a lot. Uh, we've got, and this is one of my favorite ones, John Lovitz. John Lovitz, <laughs> he he played a ridiculous role in Friends. I don't know if you're familiar with that that episode. No, I'm not. He was a, um, I believe he was 
like the head of a restaurant and he was supposed to be trying Monica's food because Monica was going to cook for him, uh, show him like what you can do. And he like it was kind of like a uh, an interview for working at one of his restaurants. But he shows okay. up to the apartment just high out of his mind. And it's <laughs> and it's great. And there's just this whole scene of he's like he wants to snack on something and he's you know he's high and she's like frustrated because she's like preparing all this great food and she's like he's like rummaging the house or the apartment looking for stuff and he yeah. finds gummy bears and he rips them open and they fall into like a bowl of something i think it, i don't remember what it was like a saucer or milk or something like that and he he's got cheerios and he's throwing them into the into the sauce and he's like grab a lifeboat buddy it's, <laughs> it's just so so ridiculous so lots actually, of characters you know what? now that i think about it i think i do actually remember seeing him on the show like in passing i you know i think i might have even been like i walked into like a room and my sister was watching it mm-hmm. and like i was like oh i didn't know he was on this now that you say it, it does sound familiar to me yep uh angela Featherstone, uh, she was she was the one that left uh, Robbie at the altar. Also, the copy girl. It says from here. So the the impetus for the we were on a break line that resonates for the rest of the series. Uh, um, I think there were there was a couple of other ones in there. Uh, Jimmy Moore was John Lovitz, but uh, still, still, it's pretty cool to see like all of those people like have had cameos on Friends. I thought that was funny because I'm a, I'm a huge. Huge fan of Friends. Watched it way too many times. Um, so who, wait, who di- who directed it or wrote it? That was like a commonality between these because that's usually how it happens. Yeah, I that I didn't know. I didn't have time to check in on that, but unless it was just like a casting director or something like that, you know, could have been, could have been, um, or just all people that were looking for like little odds and ends to do. <laughs> I guess so. So this one was funny. Billy Idol's son made him do the movie. Apparently, Billy Idol <laughs> Actually, did not. You know what? I had, I think, I had heard that before. He did not want to do the movie, but his son idolized Adam Sandler, and he made him do it. That's kind of funny though, because like he is a pretty solid part of that movie. Like it wouldn't yeah. have been the same without Billy Idol. It's it would not like he's just it's just so like that movie is is silly, right? Overall, but it's that scene of him on the plane that really pushes it over the top into ridiculousness, mm-hmm. and it's great. No, it's definitely it's jumping the shark moment. It's but it's so much. It's fun. kind of also might be the best part of the movie. Yeah, it's when he's pushing the uh, the cart and he stops. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Gulia. What's yeah. his name? Glenn. Glenn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, plot was inspired by the director's real life pain. That one was dark and sad. And after I read it, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, this is, this one is funny. Uh, it says there's a good reason it didn't include, or sorry, it didn't feature sex scenes. During an interview, I'm just going to read this one out. During an interview on Late Night with Conan O'Brien in 1998, Sandler explained why. The main reasons for not having a sex scene is, I'm not good at sex, he said. I started when I was pretty young, and I and I was always like, you'll get better. And I got older, and I'm still not good. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was wonderful. Um, Barrymore approached Sandler about working together. That's This one I like. She was interested in working with him. She wanted to be... Um, like she, she wanted to like be like that kind of like just that fun character, and she reached out to him and got the role. And I, I like that. I like that she approached like it's like it's the opposite of like trying to find somebody to fit your role and somebody coming up to you and like you having chemistry and it working, and then they work together for future movies, which I think is just really sweet. Well, I was gonna say that was the first thing that they were in together, right? Because they've yes. been in probably what four things believe, together, something, yeah, like something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but like they continue to go, so that, that's that's awesome. I think that's a lot of fun. 
Uh, but that's it. Just no, nothing crazy there. Just uh, just some fun little tidbits about the wedding singer because that movie that movie's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoy that. That was I'm one of the actually, first movies I had on DVD, which is weird. I'm not a, a huge fan of it. Not like not that I dislike it. It just like as overall as a movie it didn't like necessarily resonate with me. Um, where like I don't like recall like the whole thing, even though I've seen it a bunch of times. Like there's definitely. A couple of big scenes that do like that I that I get a enjoyment out of and like you know I can yeah. like quote lines from but like overall there's like there's big sections of the movie that I just like just don't stick with me for whatever reason. Um, we were this was another movie that we watched a lot at the pizzeria back in the day. So okay. at my wedding, Brian and Matt were at table nine for that reason. Oh yeah, yeah, by design. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Sweet. What's your next nugget? Um, so I have these two will be slightly longer form, but cool. I'm going to do this first one where I, I really just want to read a part of this thing to you. Oh, boy. I um, swear to God, if it's Bob Honey, I'm out. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Right. That, was a one time, that was a one-time deal, um, minus that one other time we talked about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so we've talked a, li- a little bit, and I don't want to, you know, relitigate the whole thing, but you, we talked about the uh, the... <laughs> The, the quote-unquote fan remake of The Last Jedi. Yep. Um, and everyone, rightfully so, the, much louder than that online I've been seeing is the people making fun of this, including That's Ryan great. Johnson himself, which is incredible. He's a superstar. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> this is uh, an AV news, like, you know, the AV club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they um, decided to have some fun because – they claim that they've raised millions of dollars for this remake, but they haven't actually. They've raised millions of dollars worth of commitments and pledges to money. <laughs> they, they Those are IOUs, sir. Those yes. are as good as money. Two hundred fifty thousand. That's for a car. You're gonna want to hold on to that one. <laughs> they received many pledges, but probably not many actual dollars. Um, so. The AV Club decided to have fun and try and galvanize a bunch of people to just leave the funniest. Um, they made like to make the funniest like <laughs> commitments to the money, right. um, and because you have to put an email down. So you know they, what, I guess they got the idea by looking at the list to see if there was like you know. So there's a bunch of people, you know, someone contributing ten thousand dollars from fart at fart.com, you know, <laughs> a bunch of other you know, someone committing ten thousand dollars from lol at noway.com. Uh, and all this other stuff. So then they started calling it for all the funniest ones they could see. So there was sexier Chewbacca at yes. WookieMail.org, PorgWrites at AOL.com. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> the funniest thing about that is the AOL.com address. That's that's the best you know, There's a few more. There's a few more of these that you'll enjoy. Um, Ryan Johnson made me watch women be tough. Yuck, yuck, yuck at Breitbart.net. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that one's good. Yeah, no, that one was uh, great. Um, on. There's uh, oh my God. Boba Fett origin story at yahoo.com. Maybe the first order should win question mark at harvard.edu. <laughs> Greedo underscore shot underscore first at star trek fans.com. Yes. <laughs> we also, and so on and so forth. We also made sure to donate a sensibly conservative $10 from the real Ted Cruz at congress.gov. Oh my God. And then they posted a link to this 
this thing saying feel free to enjoy, to join in on the fun. We'd love to see the remake currently sitting pretty with $370,447,540 as of this moment. We'd love to see it hit the billion dollar mark, thereby definitely validating this movement and not at all exposing its hollow idiocy through good old fashioned reducto, reducto ad absurdum. That's amazing. Viva rebellion. <laughs> so good. So good. When you, you sent me that stupid ass declaration thing. Oh, yeah. And it's like, we the fan of Star Wars. And I'm like, let me stop you right there. Yep. <laughs> I did not agree to this. <laughs> not just that, but uh, I guess, you know, I remember I sent you something recently and I couldn't remember what if it was that or there was another thing. Did I send you the, the thing with the, the so another fan making fun of this? No. Made a movie poster? Yes. No, you did send me that. It's amazing. Uh, okay. You need it's to share incredible. that out because it's wonderful. Yeah, you can put that in the Flipboard thing. Well, I'll I'll post a link in the synopsis yes. on the Spin Tune. You won't be able to see that in the synopsis on SoundCloud or anything. But um, oh my god, it's you, so you'll, good. it'll be very easy for you to look up if you're listening to this and you, and you didn't see that on our website. Now, um, me... go and check out. Just look up uh, fan made uh, Last Jedi like remake poster or whatever. Like you'll see it. Like what's his name? Ryan Johnson shared it with just like crying laughing emojis. Like you know, and like, it's, it's like. It's, it's like Luke's got like almost like a He-Man chest going Luke, on. Luke has the best eight pack you'll ever see. Right through like a shredded like vest draped like open across his like yeah, rippling chest and abs. It's somewhere it, between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, but with with eight thousand abs. And he has a lightsaber ignited in one hand and a fucking gigantic revolver in the other yep. hand. Yep. Um, it's got Kylo Ren. With also no shirt at all, completely shredded, and he's got his Kylo Ren helmet, which I didn't even recognize that that's what it was supposed to be at first, because on his shoulders, he has basically Shredder from yep. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, uh, the Spikes shoulder pads, that oh had it had Leia in her slave costume. Yeah, but, but older Leia. Old. Yep. Yep. Um, and then Ray baking. Ray baking, not just baking, baking porgs. Baking porgs? I didn't even notice that. Those were little porgs, like it would be like an oven stuffer roaster, like like Cornish type of thing. If it wasn't a joke, like it's it's borderline not because I feel like this is what like they would have actually come out with. Like, I that's know like, that's why it's, it's so, so incredible. Ridiculous. It's, it's so, so funny. Perfectly nails everything they did. They had a Death Star, but this newest iteration of the Death Star was three Death Stars. Tied together with big metal like tubes. Yeah, yep. it, it looked like for those of you who go back way back to the OG Pokemon game, it looked like Magnemite's evolved form, Magneton. God, what a Death throwback! Stars. But Death Stars, that's you're out of control. Exactly that hang on, just <laughs> that's, the best thing is, that's this, good. I didn't even I, that I would have never made that connection. I'm glad your mind went there. <laughs> It's the first thing that, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is basically the fucking Magneton thing. Like, <laughs> and, and the best part so is, good. I don't have this up on my screen right now. I'm doing this whole poster from memory. Yeah, that was, this was like one of those few things where you sent me the image and I spent a good five minutes staring at every little detail. And it gets, like, seared into your brain. Like, it's, and it's well great. done. Like, the color scheme is, like, straight out of 1985. Like, it's... It, and it's, yeah, it's, like, also, like, looks like propaganda posters. Which is also what makes it kind of fun to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the best part is I was just reading about it today and I saw the thing with Snoke on it 
and I didn't, it didn't actually click for me what it was that was going on with Snoke on the poster until I saw someone put it into words what they're basically like, this is what it looks like. I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it is. It's Snoke and he's got his hand out and there's some sort of thing on it. And I didn't look at a blown up, blown up image of it. He's in front of a, like a projector screen. And it's, and what this person was theorizing, and I and I, I have to imagine that is what it is, is it's him giving a presentation on his backstory. Oh my god. That's the only thing it can be. That's great. Oh, this is this this thing's got is layers. It's got depth. Yeah. <laughs> it's, got, it's like an onion. Everybody love puppy. Um oh my god, that's great. Yeah, you have to if you haven't seen that. You got to see that poster. It is hysterical. Um, and this has been your <laughs> weekly addressing of the bullshit Star Wars people out there that are not real fans. They're just vocal nonsense. And we don't want you to be a part of our thing anymore. <laughs> so I mean, get out. Unless you're, unless you're willing to not be part of that thing, then you can right. stick around. Or, yeah, you can stick around if we're going to get more posters like that. Yeah, that's true. But, um,. But you are unacceptable human beings. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I get frustrated by the word reboot. That's that's how I that's how I phrase it with the opening of this show. So I was flipping through articles and I got this this headline, this exact headline: Men in Black reboot starts production soon, adds new cast members. Some of those things would have been interesting to read further on, and then the but I was stopped by the word. Men in Black reboot, and I started my. I went into like in my own head into this tirade of like, why? Why are you rebooting Men in Black? What's wrong with it? It's fine I'll, the way it is. It's I'll, great. I'll I, tell you why they're rebooting it. It's because that Sony leak from five years ago, uh, or whenever it was, three years ago. I don't remember it. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, they released a lot of information about movies in production, and the one that they were doing for men in black was laughed at so hard and so long on the internet that they, I think they must've killed the project because it was a crossover between men in black and 21 jump street, which oh, sounds yeah. like the yeah. worst thing ever. And I like the jump street movies. Uh, yeah. I'm familiar with that nonsense. Um, but cause they, they did it too. With, I think it was with the Spider-Man. That was why Garfield and that whole thing completely imploded. Their plans going forward were in there and it got laughed at so hard in the internet that that iteration of Spider-Man died. Hmm. Okay, that would be that's fine, and that would be a perfectly valid reason. But you wouldn't. Okay, here's the, here's the problem. It's not a reboot. This is the this is where the problem comes in. Stop throwing that word around. It means something. Well, so I saw a little blurb about someone getting added to it, and I don't remember who it was now. Um, but I didn't read the story because I just don't care. I'm over Men in Black. The first one's very good. I've had some enjoyment of the second one. The third one was kind of tough to get through. I enjoy the third one. I don't care. I I, I was impressed with Josh Brolin doing an incredible job of being Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, I it had very limited run for me. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I had no problem. Like, no, like, real problems with it. I knew what I was getting into going in. But... My point is, this is not a reboot. It's a new movie in the same universe with the different characters, but it's not restarting the story. They are alongside of the existing story. That's okay. not a reboot. A reboot is restarting 
the franchise. Okay. A reboot is throwing away the existing content and starting new and going in a different direction. That's what a reboot is. They need to stop with this shit because it's on all sorts of articles all over the place. Yeah, because I've heard that uh, that term thrown around with the new Predator movie, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not correct. A re like a reimagining a refresh is probably the way to do it because it's bringing and it's the same thing. Like Jurassic World is not a reboot. It's like um, no Jurassic World is a straight up sequel. It is, but it's 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 a reset. I guess it's probably the best word. It's not a reset, though. It's not resetting anything. It's continuation. Well, I mean, think about it this way, where, like, if you're resetting your computer or you're resetting your Xbox, you're clearing some of the stuff away, but enough of the underlying architecture is remaining the same, as opposed to doing a hard factory reboot. You know what I mean? Like... Where you wipe everything away? Okay, I can if with that argument, I think I can get behind the word reset. But they're not using that; they're using reboot. They're, no, they're they're not. I, I've seen and it's that wrong. sort of verbiage used some places, but it's not the prevailing trend. The prevailing trend is what you're saying, and it's incorrect. What yeah. they did with Spider-Man: Homecoming and what they did with the Amazing Spider-Man, those were reboots. Correct, hundred percent. That yeah, there's your example, folks. That's a reboot. You're ignoring the entire existing work. And you're starting from scratch. Yes. Reboot. If you're continuing in the same universe with different characters. Even if you're scrubbing some of the stuff away like they did. It's expanding the franchise. Yeah, it's it's not a reboot. Yeah. Predator is its own wild card. Because it's like a pseudo reboot. You're killing some of the content. You're factory resetting to a previous save date. (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I think I've even heard the term like soft reboot thrown around, which I guess if you want to add that qualifier to it, then fine, whatever. But like, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's just really annoying because I, I'll see that. It and gets I'll confusing. Get like, oh, and sometimes I'm interested. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, we're start like when I originally heard Jurassic world was a reboot of that universe. I was like, interesting. Okay, that's fine. It's been years. We want to revisit it with some different ideas. I'm okay with that. I like it better that it's not an actual reboot and that it is a continuation. I Especially because the things that they kept are things that are fine, things right, that are fun. Right. Predominantly things from the first one. So it's just like it's just like one of those things. It's a pet peeve of mine, and I'm probably being way too annoying about this, but for it just it it just drives me crazy. No, I think we've been the proper amount of annoying if this is the extent of the <laughs> we've conversation. Been appropriately annoying. Yes. I like it. Okay. We're the Goldilocks I'm just glad you're on my side. We're not too annoying. We're not en- not enough annoying. We're just right. <laughs> you got me a little bit with a reset. Yeah. I kind of like that. If you're actually taking pieces out that were originally there, you're reset. Yeah. But if you're if you're just continuing, you're just continuing. I don't know. It's this this is not a reboot. That's all. That is all. It's just more men in black. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Al's next nugget. I swear to God, if you say this is a reboot or something, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> nope. This yeah. is my final nugget, and it's a kind of recurring segment that we do, um, and we like to call it reading. Oh, God. <laughs> what fresh hell is this? <laughs> Uh, well, I enjoy this. I relish I, in this. 
You hurt me with these things. No, well, this will hurt you with the last one. This might hurt you in some ways. I think you'll probably find it overall enjoying, enjoyable. Um, It's not that sort of reading. It's not Bob Hunting. It's not nerd porno tour. It's a different thing entirely. That was Uh, Bob Hunting. Both of those things made me feel dirty in different ways. Um, so this was from an article on the ringer that I saw today. It was from a couple of days ago. Okay. Um, I guess I think either this past weekend or the weekend coming up is the 20th anniversary of Armageddon. Mm. So I read a story wow. the other day about the writing of, uh, don't want to miss a thing mm. and kind of memorializing it as the last of the great power ballad theme songs. There. In movies, and written by apparently an old timer. She yeah, she wrote the one. Um, damn it! I was just talking about this story with someone yesterday, and I can't remember the freaking song. And the one from Con Air, um, "How Do I Breathe Without You." Oh, okay. She wrote that. She wrote a bunch of other things too. Some of them I recognize, some I didn't. She wrote this. She wasn't the person who typically wrote for Aerosmith. That song is very much not like any other Aerosmith song. She even said that she had written it with Celine Dion in mind and then ended up being Steven Tyler and turned into this thing that she didn't envision. And she's like, and it's like a billion times better than even what I planned it on being. So good. (laughs) I love that. But that's not the story that I want to talk about right now. You can find that one on the ringer. You can find this one on the ringer too. This is kind of, uh, so the whole thing was, and it's worth a read, especially for someone like you, you would get a kick out of this. I'll send you the link later if you want. Yeah, please. Um, But it's the 20th anniversary of the DVD commentary of <laughs> Armageddon, when that was a thing, it was kind of one of the first few DVD commentaries because it was when DVDs were just starting to be a thing in the late yeah. 90s. Yeah. So I want to just read a segment of this because they kind of culled their favorite nuggets from all of the DVD uh, commentary. It was four separate people recorded. Jerry Bruckheimer, who produced it, um, Michael Bay, who directed it, Bruce Willis, and Ben Affleck. And there was a whole thing in here, which actually, it, 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 you know, it gave me a slight bit more respect for Ben Affleck, the creator, not Ben Affleck, the actor himself, because he just is torching this movie in the oh commentary. And some of it is great, but that's not what I'm going to read you, because it's not the most interesting or entertaining thing. It's under the subheading, A Close Examination of the Ben Affleck Baby Teeth Story. Um, what? <laughs> Hang on. Does this have anything to do with this face? I know the listeners can't hear. Yes. Oh, it really does? Uh, 100%. Oh my god, I do this to Kim all the time. Like, when like she's being serious, I will, I will do that, like, I will move my lower jaw out to give myself an underbite. <laughs> and well, I will, first and first I'll look at her like that, and she goes, stop Ben Affleck. <laughs> okay yeah so well i give a little bit of color for this before we actually start the segment that i love to call reading i want you since you have your computer in front of you mm-hmm. to find this article so you can follow along because there's some visual aspects to this as well okay, wonderful um, and this gives an opportunity for anyone listening if you can if you're not driving if you can bring it up uh so the the article itself is titled an examination of the armageddon dvd commentary and wouldn't you know the top picture at the top of the screen is a bearded Ben Affleck doing the underbite face. Um, this is amazing. I can't believe this is a... Like, I thought this was just a thing that I 
like that there's like an inside joke between me and him. Well, the underbite part is only part of it. The more right. important thing is about God, his, the first his, image is amazing. That's what I was telling, that's what I was just talking about. So it's not about that in particular, it's about his teeth. Okay. The baby teeth. <laughs> so I'm gonna start reading. You can follow along with me directly, or you can scroll through other parts of the article if you want, or whatever okay. you want to do. I just figured okay. you could have it there because there is an image later that you're gonna want to look at. Let's do so it. a close examination of the Ben Affleck baby teeth story. Pretty early on in the DVD commentary, Michael Bay tells an incredible tale. He paid for a set of $20,000 pearly white teeth. Ben's going to hate that story. Parenthetical, just FYI, minutes before this, Bay says that they're also, they'd also pay $20,000 for a dog that was specifically trained to attack Godzilla dolls. This, this is, there's a decent chance that Bay assumes all things cost $20,000. Oh my god. <laughs> Which reminds me of Arrested Development when she doesn't know how much a, uh, a, what a banana, banana costs. Cost, Michael, ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked low shots that kind of come right under your and make you a little bit heroic. And he kind of had these baby teeth. Bay continues. So I told Jerry Bruckheimer, "God, he's got these baby teeth, Jerry. I don't know what to do." Jerry uses used a very famous star in a playing movie that he replaced teeth with. So he said. We did it to him. Why not do it to Ben? So my dentist been sitting in a dentist chair for a week, eight hours a day. All right. That's wow. A few things right off the bat. First of all, that God, he's got these baby teeth, Jerry. I don't know what to do. There's a lot of commentary and not <laughs> Seinfeld. Which is shocking. Jerry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second of all, Michael Bay obsessing over the size of Ben Affleck's teeth and consistently dragging them. At- baby teeth is one of one of the odder directorial ticks you'll ever see. David Fincher does an exhausting number of takes. Michael Bay has a de- dislike of small teeth. Third of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't try to figure out who the anonymous small teeth haver in this story is. Before 1998, Jerry Bruckheimer had produced two films that could be reasonably oh described as plain... Oh my god, it's gonna be... Yep, there he is! Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, hang on, wait. <laughs> Top Gun and Con Air. I believe you've heard of them? There are only two... <laughs> Very famous stars in Top Gun and Con Air, Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage, respectively. Here is the photo of Tom Cruise in 1980, The Outsiders. This is horrible. Now, I've never seen all of The Outsiders. In fact, I've seen very little of The Outsiders. And this picture of a very young Tom Cruise is horrifying. It it is. So if you're following along with us, you have now scrolled down and seen a picture of Tom Cruise with what looks like prosthetic teeth i can't he's imagine got, those he's his... both his main his two front teeth are running away from each other no they're not running away from each other they look like two legs in stride of running oh my god that's <laughs> oh my god and then the next the next picture you can see that it's clearly those teeth just kind of fixed yeah no it's it's infinitely better yeah. a, here's a photo of tom cruise and top gun three years later his teeth look great so, oh my god. We'll oh my god. Just okay. I'm going to pause you right here. Everybody needs to go f- well we have to put this article in the in the uh in the medium post just so that people can get yep. to it quickly. Um and just go through the pictures because the next one of Ben Affleck is incredible. See, I've had this going on for a long time because it took me a long time to finally sit down and watch um Goodwill Hunting and I'm like, "Oh my god, I forgot that Ben Affleck had horrible fucking teeth." And I thought I was insane. I'm like, he had to have had them wildly redone. Mm-hmm. 
And this picture is proof of this. this is Verdict. Michael Bay was talking about a time. Smilebydesign.com calls a walking billboard for great dental work. Oh now, God. back to Ben. Just how small were his teeth pre-Armageddon, really? What did these diminutive chompers look like? So minuscule that the great Michael Bay couldn't fathom filming them from a low angle. Well, here's Ben in Dazed and Confused in 1903. And there's a great picture of Ben Affleck screaming so you can it's see all It's bad. It's bad. They are so bad. Can we see those babies from a little closer? And there's a very blown up image of these horrible teeth. Entirely too blown up. Hmm. Oh my god. I can't believe I'm saying this. I can kind of see where Michael Bay was coming from. Oh my god. The upper central incisors aren't abnormally small, but Ben's lateral incisors certainly aren't the lateral incisors of a hero. One could say that they (laughs) even resemble baby teeth. <laughs> you definitely wouldn't believe those teeth would be attached to a man who's tucked animal crackers into Liv Tyler's underwear. Anyway, <laughs> here's what Ben's teeth look like after the alleged 40 hours of dental work, if you're wondering. Holy fuck. Now there's a set of teeth you can get by. <laughs> That's really. This is ridiculous. It's a great article overall. This is, Again, this is on The Ringer. It's written by Andrew Godadara, who's. Uh, consistent contributor for them especially in movies i think you gotta check this article out this is so funny the pic uh, the pictures make it yeah yeah it's great and you'll love some of the stuff later on uh, it's the next block and we don't have to read that now oh, no. i just want to read the baby teeth one i will the, definitely the next be thing, catching uh, up on this the, the next block is the whole thing about uh affleck his actual commentary in the movie making fun of everything in this movie and it's actually so pretty cool. entertaining and some of it's like okay I have a new newfound respect for Affleck, the movie maker. Um, I haven't honestly seen a lot of his stuff. I've seen The Town. I've never had a chance to see uh, Argo. Mm. I almost called it Fargo. Um, so The Accountant. Right? And I've, uh, I've seen The Accountant. Um, and I do enjoy The Town and The Accountant. The Accountant more so. Um, I don't still don't particularly enjoy him as an actor. But those movies themselves are pretty solid. Um, and you can actually really see, and if you read out the rest of that stuff with his commentary, you can see the, the thought process behind himself. I, he actually does sound like he knows what he's talking about making movies. And some of it's really inter- entertaining because it's him fighting with Michael Bay mm-hmm. about stupid stuff happening in the movie. It's, Wonderful. It's, it's pretty good. I will definitely be following up on that. That's so fantastic. That is just, it's too much. <laughs> good find good find I, I i do appreciate the occasional uh reading with al by lc like that's it's a good segment uh, <laughs> I, I try and find something worthy of the title <laughs> that was your final nugget am i correct yeah that's all i've got all right so from there we shall move on to our flick of the week now our flick of the week is evolution evolution came out in 2001 so we're going to have a very short non-spoiler section, and that is where I'm going to read you the synopsis of the movie, because I love the way that it's written up on IMDb. It's very silly. A firefighting cadet, two college professors, and a geeky but sexy government scientist work against an alien organism that has been rapidly evolving since its arrival on Earth inside a meteor. That's all you need to know. The other piece that you need to know is that this is a comedy. It, <laughs> like, put all those things together, this is a comedy. It's bonkers, silly, stupid fun. And if you haven't seen it, watch it, grab a beer, have some friends over. It's it's just entertaining. Well, I have two things to say about the synopsis. One, it is factually correct. Two, it 
provides you zero information about what makes this an excellent bad movie. Yep. This is not a good bad movie. It is an excellent bad movie. You know why? And again, we're we're pre spoilers for longer than I expected. It's it's an excellent bad movie because if you watch the movie as many times as I have, and you start to notice how like certain things come together, it's weirdly well written with great pacing. <laughs> it's like it's it doesn't make any sense. It has no business. This movie has no business being as fun as it is. Yeah, that's probably true. And it's and they they just they really kill it. These characters. This like ragtag group that you would never in a million years would you give me a list of actors and I would pick these four to go together to make this work so well. Well, there's there's two reasons this movie works. One, it's the chemistry of the leads. But even more important than that, probably as you were saying, you know, it's surprisingly well written for being bad. Um, it it's directed by Ivan Reitman, which I had forgotten. And actually, I didn't even realize really until I saw it flash across the screen when I was rewatching it the other day. Hmm. And what else is Ivan about? Reitman famous for Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Little thing called Ghostbusters that uh, you may have heard of. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go through his like catalog. Oh, he also did Stripes. Um, I think he did Twins. Oh my God, Twins! Remember Twins? Yeah. Well, the the reason I said pro- I think he did is because. I'm at the top of the thing, which is showing the things that he's done recently or is about to do. What about Kindergarten and, Cop? And I see triplets there, which uh, reminded me that he uh, he must have done twins. Oh my god! That's um, funny. he did. He was attached to no strings attached. Um, <laughs> I love you, you man. Orientation, Foxy Lady, Cannonball Girls, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters. Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters video short. <laughs> Legal Eagles, Twins, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop, Dave Jr., Father's Day, Six Days, Seven Nights, Evolution, Cooking Lessons, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, No Strings Attached, Draft Day, Triplet, Summer of Love. <gasps> and those are just the things he's directed Directed, because yeah. <laughs> he's been a producer and writer on a whole bunch of other things right. that you've heard of too. Now, and it's it's funny because like there's there's definitely there are definitely pieces of Ghostbusters in here. Yeah. There's definitely pieces of like there's like kind of the buddy comedy in here, although they spread it across multiple characters instead of just two, that works really well. Um there is there's a main buddy system in this between Orlando Jones and Dave Duchovny, but yeah. they're still they, they then they share the wealth with uh Sean William Scott and Julianne Moore as as it goes on. But see, I assumed when I said Ivan Reitman that you would immediately know who I meant because I thought you were a big Ghostbusters fan. No, I knew Ghostbusters. I thought I was pausing because I thought you were reading. I thought you were going through that line that I pulled up. Oh, okay. But uh, anyway, I, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm actually not a huge Ghostbusters fan, and oh, I, I know people were. are gonna like are, hate me for that. I know Chris wants to disown me as a friend for that one. It's Chris's favorite movie. Um, I it's I rewatched it recently. The movie. The thing is, I didn't grow up with it. Mm. And I don't think that that movie holds up for someone that had that it wasn't important to back then. It depends on what you mean by hold up. The visuals certainly don't. No, no, just hold. I don't care about visuals. You know that. Um, no, I. I mean, it's not like it's my favorite movie. In fact, nowhere near it. But I've seen it quite a few times. I very much enjoy it when it's on, um, and I understand its importance in the history of comedic movies. 
Mm-hmm. So I have, I think I have a, a proper amount of reverence for the material. I think I'm one of the few people that appreciates and likes the second one more than the first. Okay, so we may we I may have to side with Chris, which I can't believe I'm saying. That's fine. I don't think he's necessarily likes the first one more than the second one. The second one is considered one of the worst movies ever made. I, I, I'm aware. Every one of them hates that they made it. I like I I have fun with the second one. I find the first one to actually be boring. I find the second one to be boring because I can't remember it because the last <laughs> time it was on, I turned it off. That's 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 fair. That's fair. I, I remember just, being just, really. It was, never, it was never my movie. I remember when I was a kid being very uncomfortable with a lot of what was going on in the second one. <laughs> well, we uh, we could do we should do a, a Ghostbusters double feature review. That would be fun. Okay, but just know now. It. That I'm not gonna rewatch the second one, so it's gonna be based off like the three things you're, I remember. We'll 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 have you rewatch the second one. <laughs> no, it's gonna be like I'm gonna put it to you this way, Al. It's gonna you be like owe watching me a that lot. Thing. <laughs> it's gonna be like watching that thing that we are not gonna discuss that I made you watch. Kind of. No, you went into it. You went on into it wanting to watch it. Yeah. I just put it out there, and you ate it right up. And, and a good co-host would have never let me go that through that. The fact that it left you with food poisoning is your own fault. <laughs> More on this in December. Moving on to evolution. Uh, okay, so we're we're well, that's it. That's all you get. It's fun. Go see it if you haven't seen it. Come back. We're in spoiler territory because we're not going to beat around the bush with this movie. It's really silly, and we want to go through lines and funny scenes and things like that. So let's start with the opening of this movie because it really is just so silly. Because if an opening doesn't, if this opening doesn't fully introduce a character, I don't know what does. <laughs> because you get Sean William Scott. You don't know. You have no concept of of anything going on at this point. You don't like. It's it's the opening. He pulls up in this car with a dummy. Why? He takes the dummy doll out of his car. He's got a. Well, you do see him jacket. dressed up in firefighter. You ha- yeah, he has it half like his his jacket on, but like half. Yeah, he had the open. the suspenders right, but not the the jacket. Yeah, he has the the jacket thrown over, I believe, but open. Like it's yeah. not. He's just not like put together as a fireman but he's clearly got fireman uniform stuff on him and then he goes and he brings the doll in the house lights the lights the shack on fire and then tries to save the doll this is all you need to know about this character (laughs) and he's just he's so dumb throughout the entire movie but he's so crucial (laughs) he's he's basically playing peak Sean William Scott yeah yeah he really is, and he's just—he cracks me up so much. And I'm gonna jump ahead here for a bit. There's the wonderful scene at the country club where the woman comes running in. <laughs> Something just ate Barry Cartwright, and he kind of side eyes, giggles a little bit, and goes, "Oh, oh no!" <laughs> like he's—he's like, he's just his delivery is just so like he's so dumb like and that's the character he's playing. I'm not saying Sean William Scott is dumb. He's playing this really dumb character and he does it so well that I just like I just can't wait to see what ridiculous stupid thing is going to happen when he's on screen next. For yep. example, when they're in the diner and he's eating his food and Orlando Jones goes, "You going to eat that bacon?" and he just goes, "I ordered it, didn't I?" <laughs> it's just, he's just wonderful. And I, you're right. It is. It's peak Sean William Scott. Though, I mean, and for those of you who are listening now, like, oh, it's an old movie. Uh, it's not a big deal if it's spoiled for me. It sounds dumb. I, I'm just listening, and you don't, and you're not familiar with the movie. 
his best his best scene is the one that I was referencing Orlando Jones's line for in the opening yep. uh, at the beginning of this episode. Yep. Where he is they're in a shopping mall chasing what looks like a it's a dragon essentially. Yeah. It's like a pterodactyl um, dragon. It's a it's a dragon alien. Um and they're racing through with shotguns and he gets in front of the microphone and starts doing cawing sounds and he's you know as they're like wandering through the the mall it's caw caw and then he gets in front of this microphone and it's this whole caw caw and Orlando Jones turns him and says I believe we've established that Kaka Kaka and Tuki Tuki don't work. So and then he starts beautiful. singing You Are So Beautiful by like, is Joe Cocker saying that, right? Mm. And both David Duchovny and Orlando June, Jones are like tripping over each other to shoot him with yeah. the shotgun. That's, that's, this is one of my favorite – that is actually one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is that whole mall scene of, of that – just that part of it. So, yeah, yeah. he's singing and you have um, – David Duchovny's on, on the, the next top, level. and he goes, Harry, move out of the way. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> and Harry goes, stand back. I've got this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he goes, I want you goes, to stop what you are doing because you are embarrassing me. <laughs> he looks on the edge of tears. Yeah, Wayne, stop. Wayne, please stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> so good. So the general premise of this movie, we have this meteor crashes to Earth. We've got these al- this alien life form that is evolving rapidly, like insanely rapidly. It's getting bigger and bigger as it goes on. Well, which, what was the line? He, the line he said when they they saw it move from single cell organisms to yeah, multi cell organisms. He tells them it's only single cell. It's single cell organism, and he looks in the microscope and he goes, "I'm no biologist, but how many organisms does single cell organism have?" <laughs> oh yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> How many cells is in a single cell organism? <laughs> no, but he said the line. It just went through 200 million years of evolution in like, like 12 hours or something. Like 12 that. hours or something like that. Oh my god! And so yeah, and that's like that's the gist of it. So like these, we're gonna get the, these crazy creatures throughout the movie, and that's exactly what happens. Um, they are adapting to the environment. They're evolving to live in our atmosphere and things like that as it goes on. Um, that's so, right, because they have their own atmosphere at the beginning, and let's, every time they get into oxygen-rich areas, they start to choke and die. So let's let's run through the cast real quick. So we've got Ira, David Duchovny, great scientist. Ira! Ira! Great scientist, <laughs> lady killer. He's kind of put together, and he's semi-mysterious. You don't really know what his... And this is where the good writing comes in. Yeah, this guy's got, got a, a very, backstory got a that you don't know. a tragic genius air to him, right? Yeah. And you the classic, no... like, I'm a college professor, but really, right. I'm one of the <laughs> finest minds of my generation, you know? And he's like, oh, which, and, okay, so, and that's, like, that whole thing. He has a backstory. You you just assume with a movie like this, you're not going to know what that is. You're just going to accept that as a thing. You do find out what it is. And one of the rare cases where they fill you in on mysterious backstory, and it works and doesn't yep. leave you disappointed. 100%. And one of the greater parts of that is, rather than get too deep in the weeds on it, you never told me you were in the military. Yep. <laughs> Not only that, but like you said, surprisingly good writing. They have that throwaway line followed mm-hmm. quickly by a big blow-up thing that's left still further mysteriously, followed by five minutes later, 
more allusions to this past by his former commanding officer, yep. followed up by several minutes later in the court case, the then giving the whole story of the whole thing. And it just keeps building and building and building. And each time, you know, you've been left, oh, what is this all about? And it gets more and more and more. And I think what really brings it home where it could have just been like, okay, this is an exposition dump, blah, blah, blah. It's having a hook like the Kane madness, the Kane right? Madness. So that good. sounds cool and mysterious, right? I you know it. what I mean? I love it. And, and it reads like a nightmare, like drug on like, you know, like may in, side effects may include, you know, loss of hair, vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, leakage, <laughs> homicidal thoughts, suicidal thoughts. You know, yeah. in, in this case, it's, you know, you know, Partial paralysis, right? Diarrhea. Schizophrenia, I think was one of them. What's that? I think schizophrenia was one of them. Yes, schizophrenia. You know this whole. You know, but the and then to like a very serious topic, like of what they're doing, and then they cut it back, like right back to the comedy with, but they didn't get anthrax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing being that it was an anthrax. Right. So, uh, yeah, he vaccine. created a vaccine for anthrax, and it had all sorts of terrible side effects. The side effects drove the uh, the test subjects crazy, and they called it the cane madness. Yeah, because he was Ira Kane. And, and Which, I, I think even the way that that line was delivered was great. He goes, "Yeah, what are the symptoms?" And he says a few, any of them else, and then they get worse and worse. Anything else? Well, they didn't get anthrax. Yeah. <laughs> So good. So that's Ira. That's that's David Duchovny. And then we move on to his counterpart, Orlando Jones, Harry, who is a womanizer, slacker scientist. This is a thing that I, I've seen the movie a hundred times. I didn't really notice until this one for some reason how much of a slacker he is because he actually has Ira doing his work in the beginning. And he's like, oh, did you run the thingy? Like, <laughs> and he's like, I have those results come out. Yeah, he's, I had forgotten about that too. Actually. He's not good at what he does. He's a geologist. He's not good at it. He is mostly a womanizer and a volleyball coach. He and, is not good at a lot of those things because when he – I forget who he was talking to. Was he talking to Sean William Scott in the diner where he was saying – oh, yeah, it was. Sean William Scott goes, do you ever get to see the girls like showering? He goes, sometimes I shower with them. Mm-hmm. So – Yep. And it's not even like he was a tenured professor. He's an adjunct professor. Yep. And most importantly, which is a line that occurs in the movie, he thinks he's an athlete. Mm. That's right. Can you do it? Can you save the leg? He thinks he's an athlete. <laughs> I love that. That is, of course, the best scene in the whole movie. Um, that whole sequence with yep. the fly. Yeah. Well, let's let's get to that a little bit after this. Uh, moving on to Wayne, the third party member. He, uh, aspiring firefighter, this is the guy we introduced the movie with, aspiring fire- firefighter, heart of gold, dumb as bricks. And it's... Well, heart of gold, I don't know about that. He, he seems to have a little bit too much enjoyment uh, of death and destruction of it, seemingly innocent people. Like, the fact that, I mean, his boss was a dick, but he's laughing, and, and then he's describing <laughs> to the guys later, yeah, this dick at my country club got eaten by some sort of alligator... What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. You're right. Okay, maybe not. I scratched that from the record. Not a heart of gold, but dumb as bricks. And I still love them. Lovable. Then we have um, Allison, Julianne Moore, brilliant, klutz, humorless ice queen. Those are, <laughs> that's my description. In need of a good humping. In need of a good. <laughs> stop, stop doing that. Don't do, do that when I'm you're behind me. I'm, doing the, I'm, just, I'm just walking. I'm not doing anything. I'm just walking. walking. Then we have uh, we've got General Woodman, our main baddie of the movie, Ted Levine, and also the impetus for this episode. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, good baddie from uh, last week's episode as well, right? Yeah, that's great. And then uh, he's just all we know is that he's uh, he's the reason we did this episode, and he is addicted to napalm. Yeah, he's a fan. That's uh, that's about it. Then we have Deacon Danny. Deacon Danny earned the Deus Ex Machina in this wonderful tale, <laughs> which is just the greatest thing. Which we'll get to it towards the uh, towards the end of this movie. We'll go back to them, but it's um, Fra- was his name Frankie in Boy Meets World? Uh, oh, you don't know Boy Meets World? Not well enough to talk about that. That hurts my soul. It was kind of barely before my time. Okay, uh, I feel like I need to catch you up on some of the of the good things about that. At some point, we'll, we'll make that happen. Uh, then we have one of my absolute favorite characters in this movie, Governor Lewis. Yes, which Dan explained, I, I said, I, I I didn't really put two and two together that Ivan Reitman was the director. The Ghostbusters, yeah. Once I saw it on screen, I was like, oh, that's why Dan Aykroyd's in this movie. <laughs> right, but he's not, he's not Dan Aykroyd playing a character. He is Dan Aykroyd playing... Zelinsky from Tommy Boy as the governor. <laughs> I make car parts for the American working man because that's who I am. That's who I care about. <laughs> but he, uh, my favorite, he uh, he sits down. Oh, he walks he walks into the camp at the end. Right, there's three guys sitting down at the table. They're watching. They're like watching the situation. He goes up to one of them. He goes, "What are you doing? Keep my chair warm for me." And the guy gets up and he walks away. He sits down and goes, "I'll take a pair of spy glasses and a hot chocolate." <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that is all that that's him. That is his character throughout the, this whole movie. And it's just he's so funny. I I his delivery and like his that ridiculous accent that he puts on, which is just slightly tuned up Dan Aykroyd. Like that's yeah. what that's all his accent is, is great. I I love it. It makes No, me he was perfect time. for this role. Um it's it's great the the amount of like like power he feels that he wields as the governor of Arizona over U.S. military, not over like some cop who works for him. It was a general in the U.S. military. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Um, there's a weirdly, ex- there are weirdly acceptable special effects in this movie. No, the, it's bad. For 2001, it's weirdly acceptable. Still not great. <laughs> it's better than a lot of things from that time. Some of it is okay, and some of it is dramatically. Well, you know why? There's like a, okay. there's an interesting mix of of practical because they do like the sets are practical, and then like the, obviously the aliens are not, and except for the the Homo sapien one, which is basically one of the creepy animals that like sings and dances at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, no, basically the only time it was practical was, like, when it was a corpse. Like, when he slams the corpse on the deck desk later. Yeah. Like, that's a real physical thing that they mocked up, yep. as opposed to what it looked like when it was a CGI character eating someone on a golf course earlier. Uh-huh. Nonsense. Nonsense. Um, no, the CGI, though, and a lot of it was pretty bad. I mean, the, the, the two-sided thing, like, like it's... slinking around, the, the fucking Venus flytrap gigantic it's plant bad. thing was so bad. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. I stand but, by that it's pretty good for the time. But like the dragon one was pretty good. Well, that's where they spent most of the budget, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it was a big sequence. Also, it's 2001, and I don't know what the budget on this movie was, but I'm sure it was very low. It's probably pretty low. Uh, also, like, like the big thing at the end, 
That's bad. The, yeah, that, well, that's terrible. That's quite. Uh, terrible. You know what? For two thousand one, the budget was estimated eighty million dollars. That's Dang. pretty sizable. That, yeah, that is sizable. Huh. All right. It uh this mo- this movie probably was not profitable because the cumulative worldwide gross was ninety eight million dollars. Yeah. That's a very thin margin, if any. Yeah. To be fair, though, I don't remember any promotional material for this movie at all. I've, I, I vaguely do. I have zero awareness of this movie be- prior to seeing it, and I saw it on HBO, which means uh, I okay. had no recollection of it being something coming to theaters. I'm pretty sure I saw this one in theaters. Oh, you know what? It might have been a blockbuster rental. might have been a classic blockbuster rental. But uh, Well, this uh, movie is a cult classic, which typically means it's something that's life was post theatrical release mm-hmm. release. Yeah, but like, and, like I said, I've seen it well over a hundred times. <laughs> I'm actually kind of impressed at how high the budget was. I yeah. wouldn't have thought it would have been that high. Neither would I. That's that is impressive. I mean, I guess at the time David Duchovny was at his peak popularity, so right. he probably got a pretty good salary. So you got the X Files, you got then you have, you know, it's a good mashup, right? Because you're doing like a sci-fi kind of creepy thing, but it's a comedy. So you have Ghostbusters director, you have David Duchovny for that kind of that sci-fi aspect of and it. And you know, Sean William Scott was at the peak of his popularity as well. And what was Orlando Jones doing at the time? Was he when was the replacements? I, I he it, it was like the year before. I, he wasn't much. I, like people probably knew him, but I don't think he was particularly. Famous at the time. Let's take a let's take a quick gander at his career and see where evolution falls into the timeline. Um, let's see here. So we've got him as an actor. Let's see evolution, evolution. Where can I find evolution? Like he was in Office Space in 1999, but he's got about two minutes of screen time. Replaced since 2000, he was. A pretty small role in Bedazzled in 2000. That's something we've talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. Before. I like Bedazzled. But Drumline was the first thing that he really headlined, and that was the year after. Hang on. He was a Marine Sergeant in Halo 2. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's great. There is a lot of cameos in Halo. Yes. It's funny looking back over the years at how many people I didn't realize were voices in uh, video games, yeah. especially big ones. Yeah, for sure. This yeah. movie, though, also had some funny, like, I, I'm not going to call them cameos, but, like, small roles from people who weren't famous yet. Like, I had completely Ty forgot that Ty, that Ty Burrell yeah. was the assistant. Um, I had He's such a turd in this movie. <laughs> well, you know what the thing is? The last time I had seen this movie, because it's been a while, I didn't know who Ty Burrell was. Yeah. And the, at the same, same time period, basically... Um, and same, no, I think actually, in fact, the exact same year, uh, and still not knowing him, but randomly seeing it, re seeing it recently. He's in Black Hawk Down, too. He plays an army really? officer. Yeah. Oh. Another very small role. Um, I had forgotten, but then as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, Sarah Silverman playing Ira's ex girlfriend. Yep. Yep. That's right. The better one which you may have missed hang on that that sarah silverman thing led to like a great line that's like in the background where she's like you want the shirt you want me to give you your shirt back and she's taking your shirt off and if you look over uh orlando jones talking to sean william scott he's like women just take their clothes off (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, another another um, very small role, because it's not even a single spoken word. In fact, you don't even really see him. I actually had to go and check the cast list to make sure that I didn't missee it. But John Cho is in this movie. Oh, my God. For precisely one second. Give me a second. When? Yeah, I was going to say, if you figured it out, it would be incredible. When they take the field trip into the crater with the meteor, he's one of the students. Huh. But, like, like me and Dominic and Gianna were watching this together, and, like, they're walking, and you see him quickly pan his face as he turns, like, 180 degrees, like, across the camera, and Dominic's like, is that? I was like, John Cho? And then you don't see him again, and he doesn't have a line. That's really funny. That's yeah. I, I love that. I love I love uh, catching little cameos like that. Um, I have it. I have here a list of quotes that'll unlock some interesting scenes to talk about. Shall we? Shall we start going through them? Please do. My first quote early in the movie: "Cells are bad." <laughs> that was amazing. Yes, I forgot. How, how I remember that there was a bad thing that he reads. I didn't remember what it was. The the whole class is doing well, and he's like, he's praising him. He's like, pretty much everybody got an A, and the two guys that we we're talking about that will like show up later in the movie and basically save the day, Deke and Danny. They're like, um, something seems to be wrong. Like we got C minus, and he's like, yes, yes. There were two papers that I read that I remember very, very vividly. Cells are bad. My uncle lives in a cell. It's six by six. <laughs> it was like they gave him like three meals a day. Cells are bad. <laughs> it's so it's so dumb. It, but it just it just cracks me up. He's because that's that's early on in the movie, and he just seems disconnected because you know like he's had he's had a better life at some point. <laughs> well, it's great because he had basically set up the whole thing by saying. If you wrote anything about cells, you got an A. Is yeah. basically what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. Except for the two of them who were writing about the wrong cells and wrote precisely one paragraph of like five sentences. Yeah. And it's two separate people writing word for word the exact same paper. So, so, so silly. The other thing uh, that that kind of comes up quickly after that, after they find the meteor, and uh, Iris starts like doing his investigation on it, and he tells. Harry, that there's you know, like that it's like that it's splitting and it's multiplying. They're walking back to the lab, and this is like an example of there's a lot of these little quick lines that are in the background, similar to like the women just take their clothes off. Like that line is not it's not in the foreground. No, it's 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 kind of semi off screen, but you hear it like because you're listening to everything going on. This one, they're walking into the lab, and he goes, "Does the Nobel Prize pay in installments?" Because he's just he's just looking for a quick way out. Orlando Jones' yeah. character it's 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 wonderful. Um, that's what that scene led us to the I'm no biologist, but how many cells a single organisms have? Single cell organisms have great line. And they okay, so when they go back into the meteor, uh, like the crater that it made, and they see it for the first time with all the other life forms that are around it. We, we talked about that little weird alien that's walking in two different directions and like all the creatures that are like all the little tiny creatures. One of this, one of these things just like comes out of nowhere and, and eats one of the other creatures. 
And he goes, that tree just ate it. <laughs> and that gets me every time. I know the line. I'm familiar with it. Brian and I say it all the time. But for whatever reason, every time it happens, I burst out laughing. It's the his delivery. And that's that's like the key here. Orlando Jones' delivery of every line is Muzzle perfect. Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. He's like, you, well, oh, snag one. Nah, I've seen this movie. The black dude dies first. You yeah. snag one. <laughs> so good, so good. But come here, little guy. Yeah, and wow, that's what, you're an ugly one. <laughs> that's what leads to the to what you were talking about earlier, which is that little that little like a uh, weird mosquito sawtooth thing that cuts and enters his suit. First of all, since when are insects so goddamn smart? Oh my god. Terrifying. Well, since like, they're crazy aliens. Like I got it with the with the primates later on. Primates are smart. Primates learn how to problem solve a little bit. You know, them figuring out how to trick the soldiers that are underestimating them. Totally get it. It's a goddamn fly slash mosquito. Yep. I'm gonna call it a fly. I, I'm 100 with you. It looks a hell of a lot more like a mosquito. It's terrifying. But he screams the fly. Yeah. I'm going with the fly. <laughs> and him going, you know. Yep. Harry, or, uh, Ira, Ira, Harry, what? There's something. There's something in my suit. <laughs> There's nothing in your suit. It's sealed. And then he's looking around, and you just see it through the flake plate. The fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so good. But then so then they get him on the table, and that's that's the way the line was like. So the thing you see it climbing up his leg, underneath the skin. The uh, the doctor goes, "Give me the bone, so we might have to amputate." Doc, is there anything you can do? He thinks he's an athlete. <laughs> don't, don't, don't take the leg. Don't take oh, the no. leg. It's heading up to the testicles. Take, take the leg. <laughs> take the leg. Oh my god, it's so it's so funny. And then when they finally they um, I think I can get it rectally. No. <laughs> <laughs> flip him over. <laughs> flip him over. Put him down. Doctor, do you need the lube? We don't have time for lube. This There's is- always time for lube. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it. I'm going in. All right, and, a little bit deeper. No, deeper. It's it's so that whole thing, that it's it's between that and the mall. Like those are the two perfect scenes in that movie. They're so yes. ridiculous and over the top, uh, to the point where they finally get it out of him. And you did great. You were so brave. Is there anything I can get to you? An ice cream. I would like an ice cream. What flavor? It doesn't matter. It's for my ass. <laughs> so stupid. You know what? I forgot. I remember him limping in the next scene, but I forgot that Ira's mocking him and also limping. Yep. And he's telling him, like, knock it off. Because <laughs> that's when they first actually t- end up teaming up with Sean William Scott, who's yeah. got the. Yeah, uh, what the happened dead... to you? Shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when they uh, they find that, they go to that house, right, where that, that woman had the, the creature in her closet that bit her friend's hand. Oh, it's a dog. <laughs> Poor Grace, ugly dog. <laughs> Grace got her hand eaten, but um, this is when they this is this led to one of the great lines. They're uh, they go out back because Sean William Scott found like all the dead dragon things before it evolves into the one that can breathe air, and they get down there, and two amazing lines happen. One, you see all the dead alien things, and Orlando Jones goes, "Great, Googa Mooga," yeah. <laughs> which. You have to imagine it was just like 
a scene that they just shot over and over again and just let him say whatever he wanted. And then they were it's like, like let's the, go with It's that like one. the scene in Anchorman where they have all the outtakes of him coming up with the different exclamations, you know? Yeah. Oh, by the hammer of Thor. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Oh, Uncle, whatever is corncob pipe. <laughs> you have to imagine. Great Odin's raven. <laughs> <laughs> you got to imagine that it was just like one of those. But um, he goes, he's talking about the caverns and he's like, if I'm, you know, if I've got my bearings right, he's like, the so-and-so caves are right over there. This whole thing is a honeycomb of of, of, of uh, caverns. And he's like, if we go in here, like, he's like, are you sure about this? He's like, I'm not certain. Geology's not an exact science. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just more proof of the fact that he's phoning it in the whole time. And then he's yeah. just relying on Iris so that he can make his way through. Although, the, at the end of that, he goes, you know, you may have been doubting me, but under this sleek, sexy exterior beats the heart of a true scientist. Oh, my God. Um, so the Solanium. Which, that's really where this movie is completely off the rails. Yeah. You could actually get behind most of the rest of the movie. That part is so bad. Yeah. Like, just how they get to it, that is horrific writing. It's like... The argument we've made about Thor in the past where they ran out of money and that's why the rest of it shot on a back lot somewhere. Uh-huh. Whereas this is like they just ran out of time for the a script and they're like, oh, shit, we can only do like 20 more minutes of movie. Uh, periodic table, selenium, head and shoulders. Uh, how much is head and shoulders paying us again? Okay, great. Head and shoulders and yeah. shove it up its ass. The movie's over. Uh yeah. <laughs> Where are we going to get 5,000 gallons of selenium? We can get that. <laughs> <laughs> also, the yeah, you're right. Because it, you know what it was? They realized, oh, we should probably end the movie pretty soon. Right? That, that's exactly how the rest of that movie feels from that point on. But it's just like, okay, so selenium is what we kill is what we kill them with. How much do we need? Let me just throw a number out there and we'll assume that that's what it is. And then <laughs> let's introduce, let's bring these two characters that we've been teasing at the whole movie and let's make it so that they're the ones that are able to get it. Well, I mean, and like, it's pretty obvious in that whole thing that like, there must have been other scenes that they cut out because... It seems that way. Because there, he's like, first of all, he's way over dramatic, him talking to the petri dish of goo. Um, and then what's his name? Orlando Jones starts smoking and he throws the match into it and it blows up and turns into this huge tendril tentacle thing. Um, and then all of a sudden we just know it's made of nitrogen. There's not been a single mention of nitrogen in the whole fucking movie, despite all the scientific tests they ran on it. No, No, not once did the word nitrogen get used. And all of a sudden it's, we know they're nitrogen based. I've sold, we know they're nitrogen based and because carbon based animals are poisoned by arsenic, this one, probably selenium, because they're right next to each other on the thing in the same L-shaped pattern on the periodic table, which, do you know how many things we're allergic to? Or no, <laughs> how many things poison us? Like, if you go down the, the periodic table of elements, well, first of all, throw a dart. <laughs> first of all, throw a dart because we're, we, we're, oxygen is poisonous to us. If you have too much of it, too much yep. oxygen can kill you. Anything <laughs> can kill you. But if, let's just let's just talk about we're talking about like things that could kill you in very minute amounts, right? Arsenic is one of like eighty percent of the t- table of elements of things that could kill you by having just a little bit of it. Right. 
It's so funny. I still I still love it though. I mean, it's kind of fitting with the rest of it, yep. I guess, how ridiculous all of it is. But the thing is, up until that point, the script is actually kind of tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. For the like, most part. There's some clever lines. The plot is reasonable for a ridiculous concept. Like we said, the kind of layering of the Kane Madness story. Like, there was real movie making behind some of this. What is the... Uh... Selenium, it's the it's the main ingredient in, uh, in Head and Shoulders. How do you know that? You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what he said. You don't know anything. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. So they, yeah, the, the rest of the movie rapidly comes to an end where they shove a fire hose of selenium up the alien's ass. And kill it. You would not believe the things that I've seen in there. <laughs> Ira, if you ever tell anyone about this. <laughs> I've got a score to settle. Yeah, I'm going up there. I've got a score to settle. Oh, <laughs> it's so horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's in me. <laughs> you know what? I really respect how that's, that, that whole script brought things full circle. Yep. For an alien being inside of him to being in him being inside of an alien. Yep. Really 100%. tied a nice bow on this whole thing. It really did. Um, the way this all ends, though, so after the, this is another funny line. This was this is a, a semi-off. I will call it an off-screen line because it's a whisper from one character to another, and if you don't hear it, it doesn't matter. You just think that he's telling them something, like where the characters are. So at the end, when uh, Dan Aykroyd is giving them their like awards and their medals or whatever, he's looking for Ira and Allison, and he's like, "Where are they?" And Orlando Jones whispers in his ear. And he goes, oh. Because they're they're doing it in the fire truck. But if you listen to what he says, he says, I think he's giving her the cane madness. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I and think that, he's giving her a bit of the cane madness. And that was <laughs> the first time I actually heard what he said. And it, I lost it. So no, that one is good. I, I actually I forgot about later. that. I just, that was just a perfect, it's the perfect icing on the cake of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's giving her a bit of the cane madness. Oh, how about this? What in the goddamn hell is the Jeep sing-along scene? Oh, tremendous. Well, Suddenly the movie just becomes a musical. It pause, It literally it breaks the entire pacing of the movie, which I think is intentional just for like comedic reasons that they did this. And they are singing along. I don't even remember what the song was. They're singing along to the Play song. Play that funky music. Play that funky music. They're singing along as they're driving the Jeep for way too long through just through desert land. The thing is, it wasn't really that long, actually. They didn't do the whole song or anything. No, it's long enough that you know. It's long enough. And is it's got there's zero relevance. What's the point of that? Is it there's that's the first time that they're a team. I guess so. It's very funny. <laughs> also, it was them blowing off steam because it's a real scientist, a fake scientist, and a failed firefighter just went like commando on this fucking flying dragon thing. Oh my God. One dude tackles a girl out of its claws. The other one is sultrally luring it in with his song, so and the last one's taking it down with the, with the shotgun. And then all three of them got to put the thing down because they didn't. Didn't do the double tap. They didn't finish that, it off. That's great when they're all standing there, like accomplished, and it starts to move, and they all shoot it at once. 
Yes. Another great scene. They had to blow off some steam. This is our classic. The thing has brought the team together. It's yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little montage. It's a classic action movie thing. Yeah. It's it's so stupid, but it's funny. Oh my goodness, this movie, man! I I love it. I have so much fun with it. I do. I mean, it is it's a fun, funny movie. Especially, I mean, like I I guess I was kind of the perfect age. If I had been older when I first saw it, it probably wouldn't have resonated with me in the oh, same yeah, way. Probably not. Um, seeing it when I was you know ten or eleven, whatever I was, um, was entertaining. Um, and the things that I found funny were enough to be, you know, added on a little bit with nostalgia that that I can look at the bad and find positive, not negative in it. Uh-huh. For sure. Also, another little thing that you just, like, don't appreciate when, when you're younger, uh, there's no way I would have really been able to, but seeing it now, and it's funny because I know, like, I remember both actors are are who they are in the thing, but just seeing them on screen together, I had a weird little thing where I was like, huh, that's a funky little six degree of separation thing. Um, Because Ted Levine was James Gum in Silence of the Lambs, who's tracked down and arrested by Clarice Starling, who was played by Jodie Foster in that. But Julianne Moore played Clarice Starling in the Hannibal movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a funky little thing. Yeah. Especially since they're like... They, they start together and then they end up on opposite sides of the whole spectrum by the end of the movie. But it was just one of those weird like realizations that I don't know why I didn't make it until I physically saw them on screen together, despite having seen the movie many times and fully remembering it. But it's not like it was like, oh, I forgot that that person was in that movie. You know what I mean? Like I'm fully functionally aware of both of them being in that movie. Yeah, that's funny. I, I never, I haven't, I hadn't made that connection. That's good. Cool. Anything else? No, I think I think that's probably an appropriate amount. So, yeah, it's, that's good. It's good for evolution. I uh, that was not the last time that I'll be watching that movie. No, I'm sure I'll stumble it on it again eventually. It's a, it's a good it's a good watch. It's a good watch with friends too. Yes. Sweet. Well, that's it for this week's Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you want to keep the conversation going, I'm at AEJ Costanzo on Twitter and Instagram. Al is at Alessandro V1187. Check out the Flix Flipboard magazine. Follow the stories we cover each week. And Flicks in the Six on Instagram for teases of what's to come. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with Ant-Man and the Wasp. If not, we'll keep you updated on what we change it to. But until then, cheers. <laughs>